Today's reading is Romans 7, 14 to 25. Mouth found on page 1042 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. The word of the Lord. Pray with me. God of, God of rest and hope, it is easy to be caught up in the small, minute things that we forget the large, overwhelming truths. We affirm that you are real and continue to pursue us no matter how far we try to run away. We turn to you now and accept your embrace. Give us the things we crave the most, rest, hope, peace, comfort, and clarity. Amen. We are a hard-working people, period. We don't stop. And it's always been a part of our culture of how hard we work and how much we don't stop. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Pursue the American dream. Work until you drop. Or maybe you even said this, I'll sleep when I'm dead. We work hard. In fact, Americans now work harder than they've ever worked harder and longer than they ever worked before, and even for less pay. But perhaps the most startling evidence for how hard we truly work is a recent survey that asked employees about checking email off the clock. Here's what they found. 22% of employees are expected to respond to work email when they are not at work. 50% of workers check email on the weekends. 46% check their email on sick days. And this is probably the most troubling. 34% check their email while on vacation. On vacation, the thing that was designed for rest and relaxation, they check their email. So another shameless plug, if you're going on the camping trip, do not check your emails. <laughs> and the goal for email has always been to, to be a, a to-do list, what you're going to do, and the ultimate goal is to finally get to that moment of inbox zero. And we try so hard to get to that moment. We work so hard for so long. We, this is who we are. This, this is what, this is our, our makeup. And we don't, know when, we don't know when to stop. We don't know when to finally say, I am exhausted. I am tired. But there are moments where we work so hard, we, we finally are pushed to that moment where we have to stop. We finally have to sit and say, I 
am tired. I'm exhausted. And perhaps you're feeling exhausted right now. Perhaps you're at the end of a long work week and you're so tired and you just need time to relax. And there might be a variety of things that find you exhausted right now. And not even just the, the working kind of exhausted, but the larger, bigger question kind of, kind of exhausted. Maybe questions that remain unanswered or heartbreak that remains broken or potential that remains unfulfilled. If this is where you are, if you feel exhausted on this Sunday morning, know this, this is a safe place to feel exhausted. This is a safe place to feel tired. And if you do feel that, we lift up your tired hearts and ask God to give you rest. This type of work, this exhaustion, this, this tension of working so hard and wanting to find rest, but not being able to do it, not being able to get through all of those emails, this is the type of tension and exhaustion that Paul describes in this passage of wanting to do this thing that he knows that he should be doing, but not being able to do it. And there's three points that we can glean from this passage. What we want to do, what we actually do, and finally, what God does. What we want to do. There's this beautiful phrase that I think sums up this entire passage in verse 18. And it's not even a phrase, it's part of a phrase. It's the beginning of a sentence. In one translation, it says, I can will the good. I can will the good. We work so hard. We think that if we just work harder, we can push ourselves into finding rest. And we do this all the time. We always try and will the good, whether we maybe wear the right clothes, we say the right things, we support the right policies, we get offended by the right wrong policies, we go to church X amount of times, or we do this, or we do that, and we do something else, and we think that everything will be fine if we just will the good, if we just do it. And there's three types of people that exist within willing this good, within doing these things. And you might be one of these three people. The first one is a person that does, that does the right thing, but they're so exhausted because you just don't know how to, take a, how to take a break. You know what the right thing is, and so you pursue it, and you try and will the good in that way, but you're so tired from doing it so often. The second type of person where you might find yourself is the person that tries to do the right thing, but they almost always seem to do the wrong thing. Every single thing that they try and do, they always do it wrong. And you end, yourself, you end up falling short and feeling guilty because no matter how hard you try, you always fail. Or maybe it might be this third type of person in willing the good, where you don't quite know what the right or the wrong thing is, and you're so exhausted from the search, that you're just stuck, you're trapped. All three of those people try and will the good, but they end up on the other end just feeling tired. And willing the good will always come up short. And it's difficult for us because we do live in this culture where we have to work so hard to get whatever we want. And, that, and that's true and that's, that's, that's honest, but at some point we're going to fail, and we just can't. We just fall short. And so we move from, from falling short and, and willing the good to what we actually do. What happens when you will the good and you do fall short? What happens then? And on the other side of that phrase of I can will the good is, this other, um, is the next part where I can't perform it. And the difference between, um, between the, the first phrase and the second phrase is really where Paul is sitting at 
in this passage. It's really this pause, this moment between this comment that we find ourselves here today. Something happens in this middle of the sentence where we work so hard and finally we have to stop. We finally have to say, I am tired. And this is the moment where we have to fess up and be honest with ourselves and with other people where we are just tired. A few years ago, I was a camp counselor at a summer camp in, in Northern California. I've talked about this a couple times, um, about a couple of stories that I've had. Um, and the reason why is because it has made such an impression on me. And this is one of those moments um, where I will never forget this for the rest of my life. There's this time at this summer camp um, where my clock, um, this was my prime meridian for when I could tell what time it is. How close or how far am I away from pond time? Pond time happened every afternoon where we would we'd take all the kids to the pond and they would just jump in the pond and swim for an hour and a half. And there's a couple reasons why I love pond time. One is because it's a break from the campers, because you need break from campers. The other thing is you get to throw kids in the pond, which you need to let out some aggression and throw kids in a pond. And the other thing was, it was finally a chance where I could sit down and talk to students and have a one-on-one with them. And it was this moment, this interaction that I really treasured and, and valued. So one day, one of, my, one of my campers and I were talking on top of this triangle. And the triangle is this big inflatable triangle. On one side, you climb up, you get to the very top, and then you slide down into the pond. And in between, um, on either side, um, is this large triangle where kids hang out in the middle and we can throw them into the water. Um, but the student and I, we were speaking, we were talking on top of the triangle. And I remember we were on this large inflatable triangle and we just sat and talked. And I remember watching the clouds sailing over the marble mountains and the afternoon sun warming us. Almost immediately when we got to the very top, he looked at me and he said, Dan, I'm tired. And this particular student was a worker. And not just a a worker. Kind of the, the nature of this camp was we did a lot of community service. Um, and he was the, the kind of worker that worked so hard that he, he would feel bad if he took a break. He was the kind of worker that at 15 outpaced me at 23. As we spoke on the triangle, he, he told me about, um, about his relationship with his dad, how his dad pushed him to work harder, to do more, to be better. And although that, that encouragement and that push was important, Something happened along the way where how he understood working and taking breaks was skewed. Work harder, he told himself. Work faster, he told himself. If you have to take a break, there is something wrong with you. Don't stop. Don't take a break. Somehow, this amazing work ethic twisted, transformed, and trickled into all the areas of his his life, including the areas that were most sacred to him, how he viewed God, how he viewed Jesus. Something was broken. So I remember walking with him slowly and methodically and practically about why it's important to take take breaks and why in American history it's important to to take breaks. But then finally we got to the, the, the brass tacks, and I told him, how can you work so hard and be okay with the quality 
and precision um, failing. In other words, are you okay with the quality and precision of your work um, failing with you being so exhausted? And we moved on from talking about this larger general sense to a more specific or spiritual sense. And as the clouds sailed over this brilliantly blue sky, I finally told him, you don't have to work so hard. God will not stop loving you. You don't have to work so hard. And this is what happens in, in this passage, where Paul is in this tension. What's happening in, um, in, in the middle of this, of this book is that Paul is going through this argument about why we, need, why we need the gospel in the very beginning. And then after this passage, he goes into what, what happens when we receive the gospel, what happens when the gospel changes us. But it's this moment, this transparent um, feeling, this moment of humanity that we hardly ever get in Paul's letters where he says, I try to do so much and I can't and I am so tired. It's in this moment where Paul pushes forward, where he realizes he's not stuck. It's okay to be tired. And what's the thing that, that brings him out of this tension? It's the gospel. But more specifically, it's Jesus. Paul asks at the end of this passage, who is going to rescue me from this body of death, from this cycle, from this exhaustion, from these constant flows of emails? Who is going to get me to inbox zero? Paul cuts straight through this passage, this need to work, this exhaustion, and he says that who is going to save me from this work? Who is going to save me from this exhaustion? And his answer is Jesus, the gospel, God's redemptive story. These are the things that pushes us forward. This letter is filled with, um, with humanity, transparency, and emotion. But the point is not that, that Paul moves back and forth between not being able to, to do the, the good thing, but, um, wanting to do the good thing, but not being able to, to do it. It's not about this tension. It's not about the work or even the exhaustion itself. Because for so often, we, we think that we can, we can hold ourselves to this accountability. Wherever you are in that spectrum of those three people, it's not about that. What Paul says is that he does go back and forth between wanting to do the good thing and being unable to do it. But that's not the point of this passage. The point of this passage is that Paul doesn't have to. He doesn't have to work. He doesn't have to feel exhausted. The point of this passage is that the gospel is for those that are exhausted, for those that can't push on. And it cuts straight through the person that, that wants to do all the right things. It cuts through the, the person that wants to do the right thing but can't do the right thing and always does the wrong, the wrong thing and is so tired of the search. And it cuts through the person that, that is, in, in general, just so exhausted and they, they are unable to move forward. The gospel is filled with rest. It is filled with hope, with life, and with love. There's always going to be this tension. You are always going to work because if you don't work, you're not going to eat and you're not going to sleep. But in a larger sense, there's always going to be work because um, there's, there's just things we have to do in life. But in the midst of that tension, know this. However tired you feel right now, you don't have to work. That's not the point. The point is the gospel. 
The point is Jesus. We don't have to be defined by this tension, by this movement, by this struggle, by being stuck. If you feel tired here today, this is a safe place. But this is also a place to encounter the real Jesus. Paul says, who will save me from this this wretched body of death? And his answer is Jesus. If you feel tired here today, you don't have to work so hard. What happens in this passage is that he, he relies on a loving God that brings us back into the fold, back into a movement, and back into a story. It's where you don't have to continually look for your emails and to, to check those emails and to always have those new ones coming and be so um, paranoid about those new emails or that kind of work. You don't have to live in a traffic jam. You don't have to live in, in a swampland. The good news is, You don't have to work so hard. The gospel is for those that are exhausted. Pray with me. God, we rely on you to give us strength, to give us hope, to give us life. We pray that as we are tired today, you give us rest. You give us abundant life. Amen.